Super Talk Mississippi media production. What's the key to a quick and fun travel escape? Enjoy public art outside or outsider art inside and refresh your sense of history with awe-inspiring parks and museums. Vicksburg is the key to the South. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. With Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk of 24-7 Sports. Powered by Taylor Construction Equipment. Whether you're looking to rent, lease, buy, or for service, contact Taylor Construction Equipment today at taylorconstructionequipment.com or call 662-446-1048. Now get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk here with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us here at supertalk.fm or wherever it is that you get podcasts from. We appreciate you guys out there, our great listeners, especially our servicemen out there taking care of us. I want to thank our sponsors at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Start your day the right way with a trip to the drive-thru over at Strange Brew Coffee House here in, in Starkville or at Brupolo over in uh, Tupelo. Be a little weird, Robbie, if Brupolo was in Whistler. No, not no. no. I, I, I would hope the actual Whistler never comes to Mississippi for, for any uh, reason whatsoever. I can't hear you whistling either. Something's on with your mic. I don't know what's going oh, on. Dang. Thank, thank goodness for that because nobody wanted to hear that at all. Uh, wherever you are in our great state, you can enjoy Strange Brew Coffee. It's just a click away. Strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. Everything available there at the uh, the um, store here in Starville or at Brupolo and Tupelo. It's available right there, plus some some other flavors that maybe they aren't available uh, to you every day. If you, Whatever your favorite is, it's right there at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com is the place to find the maroon and white merchandise that you're looking for. It's just as simple. If it's Mississippi State, they have it at College Corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They're in Flowood by the Half Shell. Or you can shop online at collegecornerstore.com. If it's for you, for your home, for your car, for your tailgate, it's there at College Corner. Restaurant Tyler, Starkville's flagship restaurant for lunch, dinner, or Sunday brunch. That's the best place in town. Dinner, always outstanding there. Great selection of steaks, chops, pastas. And then for dessert, the stuffed pancake. They have other desserts, and they're all great. But I'm just telling you that Brian's getting the stuffed pancake when he goes to Restaurant Tyler, and you should too. It's a great place to go if you got a big event or just a special night out. Head to our good friends at Restaurant Tyler. 16 Priority One Bank locations in Central Mississippi ready to serve you. Go to PriorityOneBank.com. Find the location nearest you and open an account that will serve you for many, many years. It's just as simple, guys. If you talk to somebody about a loan, do you want to talk to people you know or people you don't know? And if the answer is you want to talk to people you know, then you need to bank locally with banks like Priority One Bank. And if you're in central Mississippi, that means there's one near you. So open an account today. That way, you when you are doing business with someone, you're doing business with people in your community. Big difference, and you know that. PriorityOneBank.com. Let Priority One Bank make you their priority. We got a uh, opponent preview a little later in the show. We're going to be talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, we talked to uh, we have we made a new friend today, Robbie. 
because our, our good our good friend Michael Casagrande has moved on to bigger and better things at AL.com. He's no longer just a piddling little beat writer. So we made a new friend today. Our new friend is Nick Alvarez, and we'll talk to him later uh, in the show. But I thought we'd start with Mississippi State. And a friend of the show, Brooks Roberts, uh, texted me this the other day, and he got me thinking that this offseason, we have been dominated by offense. The, 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 the transition from the air raid to you know the Barbe system we, we don't I don't really know what to call that uh you know will Rogers going from you know being in the shotgun every snap to being under center and play action and you know the emphasis on the running game and we've just been so focused on that and it doesn't feel like anybody and especially when we talk to our national guys that's really where their focus is nobody's talking about this defense um if you listen to Josh Pate's uh, podcast on Tuesday night, he talked about this defense, and he talked about Mississippi State in general, about how much, how much veteran leadership there is. 19 of State's 22 projected starters, seniors. Uh, and the other the other three were juniors. So, I mean, this is a experienced unit. When you think about Jaden Cromedy, Nathan Pickering, DeMonte Russell, when you think about Jet Johnson, you think about um, Buki Watson, I mean, not only are these guys veterans, they're grown men at this point. They're, they're not kids anymore. These guys are all like 23, 24 years old. I mean, Crumbity has a kid. He's married with a child. So, so this is a veteran group. These are always traditionally the, the Mississippi State defenses that are the most effective. They feel like they have some depth. You know, the young guys are, are sort of the uh, I feel like the young guys are the ceiling. If if guys like Calvin Dinkins and John Lewis and Trevion Williams play at their highest level, that really elevates this defense. But I feel like they have a very high floor. Are we overlooking this Mississippi State defense here uh, in the offseason? Well, I don't think you and I are. I think we've we've talked pretty heavily about them. I think the national media, the regional media is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad Josh mentioned something about that because – Look at those guys in the front six that are back. Almost every guy that's going to be running out there starting has been there for four or five, six years. That should mean something in this league. You've played football at a high level in the SEC for at least four years on the defensive side of the ball, and obviously you're doing something right if you're out there playing on an SEC defense for that long. Why is that not being brought up more? Why is it all about Will Rogers? Why is it all about this offense? The defense is going to be a big part of Mississippi State's season as well. Now, they do have some questions, too. The secondary definitely have some has some questions. You lost all your starters at the safety position. Uh, you lost a first-round draft pick and Emmanuel Forbes. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have another cornerback step up and have pretty much the season that DeCamerion Richardson had last year need that to happen, and then you need three safeties to step up. But as far as the front six is concerned, controlling the run game, I think State's going to do a great job there. Getting after the quarterback should be improved this year, so you don't have to worry about that. It's kind of the coverage side of things that is going to be the biggest question mark. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a whole lot more answers than there is questions about Mississippi State's defense going into 2023. Yeah. One thing that I, if you, if there was a question for me on this defense, it is, you know, since Montez Sweat, Sweat left, basically, the state has not had an elite pass rusher. They've been able to get after the quarterback, and Tyrus Wheat gave them some pass rush a, a season ago, but 
They haven't had a guy that you just looked at and said, okay, I can probably pencil him in for eight to ten sacks this season. Does this defense have a guy like that? I don't know if there's a guy that jumps off the page um, like a a, a uh, Montez Sweat, but, you know, John Lewis, I think, has those capabilities at the Sam linebacker spot. That's always the spot that I look for uh, from a pass rushing perspective at linebacker. Right. And then, you know, we've been waiting on DeMonte Russell for, for you know, three or four years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time for him to to step in and, and give Mississippi State a lift there. I think that their pass rushing is going to be significantly improved this year with a healthy Jaden Cromedy. I, I thought last year that was a big missing piece earlier on in the season. I thought it got much better late in the year when Jaden Crumity was back on the defensive side, but it's going to help to have him out there and have him healthy. I think that's going to be a big deal. I'm very interested to see what this defense looks like with Matt Brock. We saw a lot of coverage. Um, we, we saw a lot, a lot more coverage from him as, a, as blitzing was, was not as uh, aggressive. I'd say in the Illinois game, I thought it was it was a much more measured look on the defensive side of the ball instead of kind of organized chaos that Zach Arnett ran. Because mm-hmm. Arnett was very aggressive with his blitzing. A lot of times there was a lot of zero coverage. There was a lot of safeties, you know, hanging out by themselves in the defensive backfield. Is Matt Brock going to be a little more coverage based, a little more measured with his blitzing? What's that going to look like? Where's the where's the pressure going to come from? Is it going to bring a lot of secondary blitzing? Is it going to come from the front six? I'm I'm really interested to see how that all how that all transpires. But um, I'm also interested to see the development of that defensive line under David Turner. That's a guy that we've seen some great defensive lines under at Mississippi State. We've seen some great player development. So there could be guys that we're not talking about that could really step into the forefront. I think Travion Williams is not being discussed very often. He could really step in and provide a. Uh, a good piece from Mississippi State. He can get in the backfield. So it's going to be one of those deals where it's kind of a wait and see. I'm I'm ready to to hopefully get to a couple of practices. Maybe we can watch a little bit a little bit of that and see how they progressed. So what you're telling me, Robbie, is you're hopeful that there will be fewer situations where there's a Colin Duncan in man coverage. Yes. And I think that's probably that gonna be the delightful. case. I mean Zach Arnett even has talked about that before, about how, you know, Matt Brock is probably not as emotional as he is on on blitzing. He's he's going to be, I think, a little more measured in, in how he runs things. I thought the defense was great against Illinois, and that's that's not a great offensive football team, mm-hmm. let's be honest. And they were missing their running back, I think, in that game, top two running backs maybe, and, and a couple other guys. So the offense was not very good, but the scheme of it all, I thought, looked really good. Everything was organized. Everybody was kind of in their spots, and I thought there wasn't a whole lot of guys being left in an an island by themselves and things like that. One thing that Mississippi State has had a streak of, you know, I mentioned, you know, since Sweat left, they haven't had that sack guy. But they've they've lost three cornerbacks to the NFL over the last, what, four seasons. You know, Cam Dantzler then Martin Emerson, and now uh, Emmanuel Forbes. But every time, somebody else has stepped up. When Dantzler left, Emerson stepped up. When Emerson left, Forbes stepped up. DeCamry Richardson, I saw his name 
uh, yesterday on a, or a couple days ago on a graphic from on three talking about a uh, players who should be getting more buzz as NFL draft choices. Is, is the Cameron Richardson ready to step into that role and be the next NFL cornerback for Mississippi state? I think so. I don't think he's a first round pick, but I definitely think that he is going to be an NFL guy and should be drafted this year. Um, a little, a little different defensive back than Emmanuel Forbes and yes. Cam Dantzler. He's he's a little more. I feel like he's a little more physical. Mm. Um, the athleticism's there, speed's there. I think he, he's a guy that's kind of more of an all uh, a well rounded all around defensive back for Mississippi State. Um, and because uh, he can go out there and cover, he can go out there and hit you, which Emmanuel Forbes did that too. But he's got a little more meat on him, a little more build to him than than the Forbes and the uh, uh, Cam Dantzlers of the past. And then you mentioned the safety position, you know, replacing three starters. That is where State has really done well in the transfer portal over the last two seasons. And they've kind of created some depth there with guys. They, they, they don't have a lot of playing time, but these are – they're picking these guys from Power 5 programs. Jordan Morant, Hunter Washington, Marcus Banks. Jacoby Albert has played in the SEC. Uh, Chris Keyes. You know, is it possible it's a, it's a three-transfers uh, safety position this year for Mississippi State? It could be. Um, you know, Marcus Banks has moved to safety mm-hmm. um, as well, I believe. So, I mean, it's you should have guys that are – it's not like you're throwing in true freshmen back there. Right. You have guys that it's it it's mainly it's just unproven right now. You know, even even Banks, he's been playing in the SEC and got to be a playing time. Well, he's made the move over to safety, a little bit different than cornerback. It's going to be a little more uh, physical back there, I think. But I thought that we saw a really good transition from Jalen Green coming in and playing at the safety position and playing right away for state, Jackie Matthews. Mm-hmm. So your hope is you're going to get these guys ingrained early and you're not going to miss a beat there. That's yeah. If you're doing the transfer portal well and you're doing it the right way, that's what you get. You lose a guy and then you replace him with a guy that's, that's equal or better than him. If State can get the same production from somebody back there as they got from Jackie Matthews and Jalen Green last year, that defense is going to be top five in the league because the the front six is going to be really good. So, you know, and um, Corey Ellington, you know, this is year three for him. He should be prepared at this point to step in. You got um, guys like that that have transferred from other schools. They've been in – Power five or group of five or whatever, they've been in D and D one FBS football for two to three years at this point, some of them four years. So those guys should be prepared. It, it should be time to suit it up. There shouldn't be any kind of, you know, period where you have to get these guys ready. They should be ready to roll. Yeah. Mississippi State a season ago, seventh in scoring defense, fifth in total defense, and first in tor- turnovers per game force. It just feels like to me that this team, if they're just as good as they were a season ago, is going to be good enough for Mississippi State to win a good number of ball games this year. But you would expect the team. So I, I let me ask that question then. Yeah, do, do do you expect the team to be better, or do you look at them and you go, okay, these guys are all seniors. They've been playing for four or five years. Maybe that's their ceiling, which is still a good ceiling for Mississippi State. 
But, you know, how much better can this defense really be? Uh, with a healthy Jaden Crumity and a, if, a, if the safety group is as good as they were last year, mm-hmm. it could be a really good defense. Now, that, that turnover margin you're talking about, mm-hmm. Emmanuel Forbes had a lot to do with that. Yeah. So it's going to be t- – it's going to be tough to replicate that kind of work on the defensive side of the ball, but I really do believe Jaden Cromedy is going to make a huge difference for the entire defense. And like I've said before, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet very often. I mean, he's a guy, I mean, he might have 40, 50 tackles uh, or something like that. He might have, you know, three or four sacks, but you cannot truly measure how important a player like Jaden Crumity is in the stat sheet because his stats are going to other guys. He's he's picking up double teams. He's getting pressure in the backfield, flushing a quarterback out to his right side. He's making a quarterback get rid of the ball quicker. It's going to be um, a big for Mississippi State to have a guy like that that's been here for six years on that side, going up against the team's best tackle and putting pressure on the quarterback or stopping up a run or making a running back flush out to the right side, I, I feel like he's going to make a huge difference for everybody. And that you got to keep him healthy. You got to keep everybody healthy in the front six. And I think State's going to have a good season on the defensive side of the ball. There's been there's there's been plenty of times where we've gone into a season and said, I have a lot of questions about this defense, yeah. Mississippi State. And almost every time that defense has been either middle of the pack or top half of the league mm-hmm. in the SEC, 2016 is is a is very much an anomaly since you know even the mid 2000s. Mississippi State has always had a hard nosed defense, and I think that's only going to continue with Matt Brock being defensive coordinator. I don't see a, a drop off at all with Matt Brock and Zach Arnett. I, I felt like I felt like he was more ready for a defensive coordinator position than Zach Arnett was for a head coaching position. I, I really I felt like it was just a, a matter of time before he was an SEC defensive coordinator. And uh, he's getting a shot now and it really I think it's it's working out well for Mississippi State so far. We will see. The defense uh, this year, yeah, they, they they are, I think, poised to be one of the better defenses in the conference, which means you're poised to be one of the better defenses in the country. A lot of veteran guys. Gosh, looking ahead to next year, Robbie, these, these questions, you talk about we not a lot of questions. We're going to have questions next year. There's no there's no doubt about that because there's just so much senior, uh, so many seniors on, on this depth chart. But we'll get to that when we get there. We're now at the, at the talking to our friends at the Mississippi Beef Council who want to remind you that beef, it's what's for dinner. This weekend or any weekend, if you're cooking out, it's still grilling season. Man, fire up the grill and put some red meat on there, some steaks and burgers. Everybody's happy. I promise if you tell everyone you're having a cookout and you're cooking steaks, there'll be a line out the door ready to get in and grab some of that. So talk to your butchers. Talk to your meat market guys. They're always happy to to let you know what's going on and enjoy some great beef for dinner. Beef, it's what's for dinner, thanks to our friends at Mississippi Beef Council. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District is the place to find smoked southern soul food. It's just that good, man. That's, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. What do you want from me? What do you want me to tell you? It's it's awesome. I love going there. Uh, it's some of the best food in town. It's not just barbecue either. Don't, don't, don't just be thinking barbecue uh, when, you, when you head to Two Brothers. It's smoked southern soul food. It's right there in the heart of the Cotton District. It's Two Brothers 
smoked meats. Great products, great service. That's what every business likes to promise you. They deliver it to you at Advantage Business Systems, and they have for 48 years. Think about how long you know that, uh, that it is to stay in business, and think about how you do that. You can only do it when you take care of your customers, and they have since day one at Advantage Business Systems. If you need technology for your business, call Advantage Business Systems. And then if you need service on something they've sold you, it's the same number. It's not a 1-800 number. It's not being on hold for 20, 30 minutes. It's not being, you know, dealing with out-of-state technicians. It's dealing with the same people, Mississippians working with other Mississippians. 601-362-9192 or visit them online, absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems helps your business do business. It's hot outside. I'm wearing a black shirt today, but I, I, that was a mistake on my part because it's I, it's 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 hot, and it's going to continue to be hot for a little while. This is the South. Don't let don't let last week when it was like 85 a couple of days. Don't let that fool you. You know what's happening. That means you need to head over to Dolce to cool off and grab yourself a delicious sweet treat. The gelato and milkshakes are the best in town, and of course, there's a lot more there too. If you get there early, 7:30 a.m. Tuesday through Saturday, they're open for coffee. And bagels and breakfast sandwiches. It's all great stuff. For lunch, the great selection of grilled cheeses. A lot going on under that one roof there at 509 University Drive. Cool off today with a treat from Dolce. I mentioned it earlier. It is Alabama week on the opponent preview series. Let's go now to my interview with Nick Alvarez. He is covering the Crimson Tide for AL.com. Normally when it's Alabama week through the years, if you've been a longtime listener to this podcast, you know we always call upon our friend Michael Casagrande from AL.com. But Michael has moved on to uh, uh, bigger and better things at AL.com and has brought in a fresh crop of Alabama guys. So let's meet one of them today. Nick Alvarez, he covers the Crimson Tide for AL.com. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. You come to Alabama at a time where you know, I can't tell if they're in transition or not. There are some people who tell you that they're still the favorite in the SEC West. There are people like me who voted them second. With, with Alabama in this, I don't know if flux is the right word, transition, but are they are they more dangerous than usual because people some people are discounting them? I mean, on the so first off, gotta give a shout out to Michael Casagrande. Yeah. Um, obviously, you gotta gotta pay respect to him. Um and so just to kind of give some context, this, this will be my second year on the beat, first kind of formally. Uh, but yeah, so and when you look at Alabama, I don't think the general perception of Alabama from us, the media, the outside, the fans, I don't think that really matters in the building. Um, I think we saw last year at Georgia, we saw with the Kansas City Chiefs, any team, no matter how good they are, no matter how historically good they are, they can conjure up some rat poison, you know, if it's served the right way. What I do think is interesting about this Alabama team is that from a talent standpoint, it's really hard to kind of pin down where they are at some key positions. But when you kind of look at the schedule and you look at how close those games were last year, even considering a lot of the issues that this year's team may have will were very, very apparent last year, it's hard to see where they've taken maybe a huge step back aside from the obvious Bryce Young and Will Anderson and some other defensive starters. So I don't think it's unfair to say that there's a wide range of outcomes on the table for Alabama this year. We could be looking at a historic three loss season if things go really bad, but I also would not be surprised if Alabama is undefeated and, you know, playing in that SC title game against Georgia. A historic three loss season. If things go really bad, I mean, talk about how the other half lives. That is, that is a, that's a heck of a <laughs> statement. 
you, you know, you look at the Alabama at the quarterback position. Obviously, that's where everybody's had their eyes. Tyler Buckner coming in uh, from Notre Dame, Jalen Milrow, and, and and Ty Simpson kind of battled it out in the spring. You know, I'll ask you who you think is going to end up with that job, but the the main question to me is: Does it really matter? Does what Alabama wanted wants to do offensively? Does it change with any one of those guys? I think, I mean, it's from the obvious standpoint, you're going to see more of a run first offense if it's Milrow who takes the job. Um, if I had to kind of handicap it right now, I'd, it'd be pretty surprising if Bookner doesn't get the first at least attempt at a starting job. Just it'd be really weird for him to come in when he has another option on the table to pair up with Tommy Reese again, Alabama's new offensive coordinator from their time in Notre Dame. And again, Alabama wouldn't have gone looking in the portal for a quarterback if they didn't, you know, if they if they had an answer ready at who they wanted to start, or maybe an inkling of who it was between Ty and Jalen, they would have never gotten Tyler. Al, Saban said that during his uh, press conference in, in the spring. He said it again during media days. You only for Alabama, you only go into portal unless you need someone. So under that under like using that logic, I would give Buckner the odds. And to answer your second question, yes and no. Like, I, I think from watching Alabama football last year, it was truly exceptional what Bryce Young did. And I think a lot of it was him doing it himself. Like, Jameer Gibbs, insane talent. Uh, Cameron Latu at tight end, some good receivers. But Bryce was making a lot of it, ha- making a lot of it happen for them on the, on the run in some tight moments. Saban wants to get away from that this year. He doesn't want to need a Heisman-level quarterback, number one draft pick-level play at quarterback, to lift up the offense. I think they want to run. I think they want to shorten games. They want to let a defense that's as talented as any in the SEC, maybe aside from Georgia, really go to work. So I think the biggest thing, and you're, you've heard this from other people, is you just need to limit turnovers. But when you look at the big play potential, Ty Simpson gives you some of that. You, you always hear rave things about his arm. So I think there's some interesting wrinkles that the quarterback can add. But no, the base of Alabama's offense this year will be we're going to run the ball down your throat because they have three maybe four really 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 good running backs not just depth pieces but you know quality level starters and some of the underclassmen they brought in um everyone's talked about justice haynes richard young is also really talented from florida both were five stars in 2023 um and then the returners i mean jace mcclellan mcclellan was huge roy Dell williams uh has talent so I, Jamarian Miller uh, turned some heads in his uh, burst of playing time last year. So I think that can kind of be the strength of the Alabama offense, regardless of who's under center. You kind of hit on my next question. You know, when you think about Alabama over the last few years, you know, names like Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, uh, Jerry Judy, I mean, superstars, guys who were first round picks in, in the NFL. And Alabama this year doesn't really seem to have that star quality. At the uh, at the skill positions, who are some guys that could you know really break out this year, and we'll be talking about them as potential NFL guys by the end of the season. It's really interesting that you bring that up because I've been rattling that around in my head from one of the earliest press conferences of the spring when Saban, when discussing the quarterback, said, "I really, really like the group we have around him this year, whoever it is." And I kind of got to thinking, "Well, who's different? That's not that wasn't here a year ago," um, and. The wide receiver room has veteran talent. Um, Jermaine Burton, has, he started for Georgia. He started for Alabama. So while he might not have numbers, there's clearly some trust in kind of what he can bring to the field. Malik Benson is a JUCO, you know, one of the highest rated JUCO transfers coming in uh, from Kansas. They see his big body and his ability to go get the ball. Something really special with some kind of, with more speed than you think for someone in his body type. 
at kind of six one. Um, and then, you know, Jacory Brooks has kind of always been on the outside looking in, in terms of like the premier receiver options on the team. There are some freshmen who set up last year, but again, I'm going to kind of be a broken record and I'm going to go back to those running backs. Like Justice Haynes made a mark in the spring and he might be the third running back in the depth chart week one, just because they really liked what they got last year from Jace McClellan and Roydell in specific moments when obviously Jameer Gibbs was setting records. So I think those are the guys who, if you're going to see crazy offensive numbers, it's going to come from that running back room. You know, Tommy Reese likes tight ends. That's kind of a more older school type of football thinking. I would say that, you know, that creates an opportunity for some of the younger tight ends they have in the roster at Mari Kneeblack, um, Daniel Lewis Jr. But they also have Miles Kitzelman, another Juco transfer from the same team as Malik Benson. And then CJ Dupree from Maryland was kind of the big name transfer they brought in there. So it's really nothing that's going to kind of light your hair on fire offensively. But, I mean, these kids were also all, you know, for more or less four or five stars coming out. So it just takes, you know, one coach to unlock them or one good season. And, you know, we'll be talking about another great Alabama skill player. Defensively, this is a, a group that should be elite. It should be as good as any Alabama defense we've seen the past few years. But you mentioned it a little earlier. They got to replace Will Anderson, who who was just an absolute force the last two seasons. Who are the candidates to do that? There's really only one candidate, and he was there, you know, messing up backfields with what last year. It's Dallas Turner. Um, he is stud. Like he is so talented. Uh, I think the n- number one way to express that when Kool Aid, right, Kool Aid McKinstry was asked at media days, "Hey, Dallas called himself the best defensive player in the SEC. Do you agree?" And the reporter was trying to get him to kind of go back and forth about his teammate a little bit. Kool Aid was immediately like, "Nope, he's the best defensive player in the SEC. He makes my job a lot easier." In terms of rushing the quarterback, and like I just that's just what it is with Dallas. He is an elite, elite pass rusher who will be going in the first round of next year's NFL draft. Um, on the other side, I think they're going to be looking toward a veteran, Chris Braswell, who got a lot of snaps last year. He'll be coming in. Jaheim Hodes on the defensive line was revelation's a strong word, but he came. In, I think he lost like 70, 80 pounds mm-hmm. as of from the time he got on campus when he was a freshman. And he him. starred. Yeah, so he'll be back, obviously, right? So he'll be back around. Um, in the secondary, there's this intriguing mix of kind of veteran pieces you maybe want to see a little bit more from based on their previous track record, whether it's transfers, Jalen Key, Trey Amos, or uh, Christian Story, a local kid who's been around forever. And then this, an influx of really, really, oh, Terry and Arnold, also opposite Kool-Aid on the defensive end and cornerback. I think if you want to look at a position where you want to see maybe who's, what, what's the what's that room going to look like defensively, I think you want to look at the linebackers. Um Henry Toto was really, really good collegiate football player in terms of shooting the gap and just kind of being just kind of a homing beacon in the middle of that Bama defense. Who's going to replace him in that production? Uh, they brought in Tresman Marshall from Georgia. Um, haven't gotten a chance to talk to him yet, but I mean, by all accounts, it seems like he may have that position locked up. Um, and I think what's interesting about this Alabama defense is the only thing they were really bad at last year was the Tennessee game, which I, no one knows what went wrong that game, except for those coaches on both sides and just the penalties, which were just so unsaban like that it drew up some of those nonsense questions about the dynasty ending and Saban's legacy. So you'll get Tennessee at home this year to answer some of those problems, but if the penalties go away. This Alabama defense was already one of the best in the country. And while they lost some experience on the back end and obviously Will's talent, they have more than enough pieces. Because I haven't even mentioned Caleb Downs, Des Riggs, Jaleel Hurley, 
but specifically Downs as a five-star safety coming in from Georgia, like there's a chance he starts week one. And it wouldn't be because Alabama's running out of options. It'd be because that kid just has that special level of ability to go get the ball and then kind of be a thumper a little bit too, despite his size. Everybody's going to be looking early season at week two when uh, when Texas comes to Alabama. A, a year ago, that game was shockingly competitive. I don't think anybody saw Texas hanging around and, and giving Alabama the scare they ended up doing. And I think this is a you know a better Texas team coming to Tuscaloosa. What you you mentioned you know going bad. What happens if it goes bad week two and Alabama's sitting there at one and one? I think it's a very good question. Um, and you know I. I Still can't get over the fact that Quinn Ewers injured himself kind of like Colt McCoy did in the first mm-hmm. half of that game because he was slugging it against Alabama's defense. That was going to be a really fun game where he got hurt. And it was still fun, but a little different. I think, kind of go back to my earlier point, Alabama's going to need the running game from the from the jump. Because if its defense is still sorting itself out or it can't afford against a Texas to like need you know 20 points in the second half. Not saying it's going to get to that point, but they're going to need to be able to score and control the game early. If it goes one and one, well, that's the beauty beauty of the schedule. You'd have about a week or two, and then you have Ole Miss come into town to kind of solve some of your problems. A lot of Alabama's tougher games, the LSU, Tennessee, that's a little bit later in the year. And you even last made, year, you just made a lot of friends on this podcast and with our <laughs> listeners describing Ole Miss as a way to solve your problems. I just want to let you know. <laughs> gotcha. Well, good, good. Well, like, I think that's like you. I, I, I don't think this from a pure talent standpoint, this Alabama team is as good as it was a year ago. And that is yet to be seen in some cases, but that's just my general opinion. But then again, I can't say that they're going to be worse than they were a year ago because all those tough games, they're going to be in Brian Denny, like Alabama was missing that road, you know, killer instinct mentality a year ago. They didn't have it. They're not, again, no disrespect to the road opponents Alabama will have this year. They're really, I mean, Texas A&M notwithstanding, but that game is going to be big for different reasons. Like Alabama really just needs to prove that it's not going to beat itself. And a lot of times last year, it seemed like it was going to constantly find a way to do that. So if it's one, one, I don't think the sky is. Sh- I don't think the sky is falling. They'll, we'll be reminded that's the last time that Texas game will be non-conference, and then we'll move on. I think this, the more important thing is the running game has to be going, and whoever's playing quarterback has to not turn the ball over, because if that becomes an issue, then you're not having trust in the offense, and then those receivers are, don't seem like the type that can be able to pick the guy up. Then we're going to have some questions that maybe not you know Bill O'Brien play calling related, which a lot of fans down here really like to pull out whenever the offense was struggling a year ago. Let's talk specifically with our last question here about Mississippi State versus Alabama. Quite frankly, it's a series that's just been uncompetitive over the last five years. Uh, State has only gotten to the end zone once in the last three years against the Crimson Tide. They haven't scored more than nine points in a game in the last five years. It's an MSU team that's going to be focused more on running the football. They're a veteran team. I heard Josh Pate talking last night about Mississippi State, 19 of State's 22 starters are seniors. You feel like that's a team that could compete, you know, with Alabama just because they've seen it all and they're they're grown men. When you look at this game, you know, uh, at the end of September, which it's odd to be playing that game so early in the season, is this a Mississippi State team that Alabama should, you know, be worried about in, in some sense? I think from a worried about standpoint, if I ask if I ask Saban that he'll you know chew my head off like he did one last year about respecting your opponent no matter what. And anyone could be you. Be careful, week. Nick. Um, Come on now. 
<laughs> of course. But in regard to Mississippi State, I kind of look at that as one of those games maybe a little bit like the Kentucky game where it's like, all right, Alabama's going to need to take a team's best shot and also, you know, have, a, have some trouble getting off the bus that morning. Like there's just going to have to be something falling off because I don't, I'm from the Northeast. So my college football experience has been through college at Syracuse, which is nothing compared to Alabama. And then coming down here and kind of learning and living that it just means more. I don't think the sky's going to be falling this year for Alabama, but you know, one of those, a loss to Mississippi State in, after the recent history that you explained, or another loss to LSU or Tennessee, we maybe get some of those feelings going. But I don't think that's what we're going to be getting if Alabama doesn't live up to the expectations of, which is his, historically low for them. It's like potentially three losses, maybe second in the SEC West. So I don't I know. Maybe I'm losing good. some of the friends I made earlier. <laughs> I feel bad for Alabama. What a what a what a horrible situation to be in that you might only go ten and two. I I can't imagine how how that's affecting them. I, I, my prayers and thoughts and prayers are are with the Crimson Tide <laughs> fans at this time. Nick Alvarez, AL.com, man. Thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks to Nick for his time. I, I still I I know you haven't heard the interview yet because I just did it. But when he talks about yeah, it could be a historical season with three losses. I mean, what would they do? I'm like, oh. My heart pumps purple peanut butter for them. I'll tell you. I just I feel yeah, so I'm bad. so upset. So this series, we we did a show on this a few weeks ago, and and this series has just been so uncompetitive, like la, la, the last few years. It, it's not really, you know, he used the term rivalry, and I had to correct him I, at one point. I was like, eh, I don't know if that, that's what I would call this. It's a series, you know, and this is the last one for a while. So you know, there's there's something to look forward to. Um. Is this a Mississippi State team that as it's built, right? I figure I feel like a veteran Mississippi State team like this should be playing at home, should be able to play and compete and be in the game with Alabama. And if they aren't, that that that's I mean, that's three straight coaches now where you're just like, what do you have to do to get, get in the game with these guys? Yeah, you know, this is kind of the year that is like 2017. I feel like where you have some veteran leadership out there, I, I feel like this is a team that could have a game like that where it's at least competitive. Um, 2014, you know, I don't, I'm not saying state's going to go to number one, but that team was competitive against Alabama. I feel like this is a team that can be competitive with Alabama. Mm-hmm. You have a fourth year starter quarterback. Almost every skill position player has been playing for for a few years now, the the main ones. Uh, your defense is going to have some experience out there. So, I mean, there's a lot of question marks with Alabama. State should be competitive in this game. There, There's really no, no excuse not to be. Alabama's going to be more talented. That's, that's going to be the case every single year. But with the question marks that they have outweighing, in my opinion, what State has from a player perspective, State should be good. I, I, I feel like State should be competitive in this game. They need to be. the The whole thirty one to nothing, forty two to six stuff. That's that's got to. You got to start moving away from that. Agreed. Yeah. We'll see how that works out. That game's been so more. State has been. It's really strange that State has been more competitive against Georgia 
mm-hmm. who I feel has surpassed Alabama from a talent standpoint. Mm-hmm. And against Alabama, they're getting, you know, they have no shot. They have well, absolutely no shot. And if you go back, you know, into the 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 90s and 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 you know, early 2000s, this was it was the opposite with LSU. It was yeah. state was competitive with Alabama. They found a way to win some games, but most of those games were were really hard fought. And then LSU would come in and just blow them off the field. And now that's that's switched. Now the games with LSU are a lot more competitive, and Alabama is the team. So it, it's weird how that works in cycles sometimes. Um, it's also weird playing this game on September 30th. Now, this is state's fifth game of the year. Um, and it comes obviously at the end of that that crucial stretch of LSU and South Carolina and then Alabama. You know, if you were on dream big and say that state could beat LSU in South Carolina, and you're talking about a four and oh Mississippi State team probably ranked close to the top ten hosting Alabama, who, if they were to be undefeated, would probably be ranked second or third. I mean, it has the potential to be a monster game. But even if you're three and one, it's still a huge game for Mississippi State. So We'll see if this is the year State can get back into it with the Crimson Tide. And then, of course, this series will go away for at least a year or two, uh, which, you know, as far as I know, I haven't I haven't met a Mississippi State fan who's cried about that yet. I'll put it that way. So, Yeah, and I'm just – I haven't been able to sleep at night. All right. All right, tomorrow's show, uh, I, got, I got a topic. I got a little homework for you, Robbie Fall. We're going to talk about the Egg Bowl on tomorrow's show. We'll just have a little fun because we got nothing – unless some news breaks, obviously. Um, but – I don't, and we sort of what we talked about a few weeks ago with moments. I don't, I don't want games. I don't want, I don't want a whole game. Your favorite egg bowl moments. Find five of them for tomorrow's show, and just just okay. plays it within a game. Things that happen within the game, you know that that you enjoyed, and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's show. Plus, like I said, if any news breaks, talk about that. We'll give a, a quick preview of the SummerSlam Cookout, which is happening. Uh, I believe it's happening Thursday evening, correct? Yes. So they may have to. I don't know if we can preview would be the right word, but we'll figure something out with the uh, with the recruiting news. And if anybody commits, you know, maybe future Brian has to make an appearance. We'll see what happens. Guys, have a uh, great Thursday. Robin, now back with you on Friday for Robbie Falk. I'm Brian. Hey, Dad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.